I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the course of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Welcome everybody, it's so great to be here and a very warm welcome to everyone joining in Cambridge and online. It is really my privilege to be here this morning sharing on how radical partners live in peace. Now I wonder when you think of the word peace, what comes to mind? Just consider the word now. What comes to your mind? Maybe it's a colour, maybe it's an image of a peaceful place, a paradise beach. Yeah sitting in your armchair with a hot chocolate or a whiskey. I don't know what comes to your mind. But I bet none of you think about a raging storm. I certainly don't. Um, but the artist Jack Dawson did. Now, in his painting that should be coming up behind me, Peace in the Midst of the Storm, Jack, who is a Christian, painted a dove nested in the rocks of a cliff. It's right in the middle of the picture. And this dove here is totally secure and at peace as a raging waterfall rushes overhead. And I think this is a beautiful picture of the peace that we can have in Christ. Now, often when we think of peace, we think of the absence of conflict. When this pain goes, then I'll have peace. When this problem goes, then I'll have peace. When this prayer is answered, then I'll have peace. But I think this picture is a great picture of peace, not being the absence of turmoil, but security right in the middle of it. And today I want to share some words from Paul and some thoughts from my own journey and experience of learning how to walk in peace, a peace that really does surpass all understanding 
And it's a peace that is present and available to us right now, whatever you are going through or facing in life. And it's a peace that Paul managed to live in even when he was in prison. And who doesn't want that? You know, I'm sure as you look at the landscape of your own life, and certainly on a global level, there is a desperate need for this peace. Now the Greek word that Paul uses for peace in this passage is irene, meaning tranquility or harmony. And this isn't a one-dimensional peace. In this passage, there are actually two linked areas. It's horizontal, it's about people, and it's also vertical, it's about God. And both of these impact on the other. So let's begin by briefly looking at this horizontal piece. The first thing we see from this passage is that we are called to live in peace together. Now, as we all know, people are not perfect, and there will always be opportunities for relational tension for as long as human beings exist. Um, But there is something so powerful when we choose to find peace within relationships. And interestingly, Paul starts here. Let's read this again. In Philippians 4, verse 2 to 3, we read, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. So one of the first things we see in this passage is that Paul is making explicit the need for peace between these two women who were his co-workers. And we don't know the details of the disagreement. Paul doesn't sum up their rival claims and says, you're right, you're wrong. It's very likely that both women came to Paul and said, they're wrong, I'm right. But Paul, for him, they're both under the same obligation. They're not to wait for the other person. Or I'll be ready to accept her apology when she's given it. Or I'll accept her apology when I know it's going to be accepted. They're both called to make the first move. And it seems that for Paul, it's kind of irrelevant who is right and who is wrong. Instead, he urges both of them. He pleads with them to seek unity. Please, for the sake of yourselves, seek unity because there's not a lot more that can steal peace quite like relational disconnect. Please, for the sake of each other, please, for the sake of your church, and please, for the sake of the world. As one commentator writes, it's against the nature of the church, the community of the redeemed, to confess unity in heaven and practice disunity on earth. Now, here at Kingsgate, I'm sure you'd agree, we've enjoyed a wonderful history of unity, unity around Christ, unity around his cause and his mission. But let's not get complacent here. I believe that increasingly, as a church, we're coming into a season of taking ground, of extending our tent pegs, of widening our reach, and I think the enemy would like nothing more than to derail us of this mission. Why? Because the world is watching. I don't think not a lot of people, not a lot will put someone coming off, uh, put, sorry, let me start again, not a lot will put someone off coming to Jesus more than seeing Christians in fighting. And you may be here today, and there may be relational discord and tension between you 
and someone else, maybe even someone else in this church family. And I know how painful relational breakdown can be. It's one of the greatest barriers to peace. So can I plead with you, alongside Paul, to choose today to take the first step to resolve that. And resolution is gonna look different in different contexts. Resolution doesn't necessarily mean being pushed back into a relationship of trust or to say that what someone did was right, but it does look like forgiveness. I think unforgiveness is one of the biggest barriers to us enjoying peace. You may have heard it said that refusing to forgive is like taking a drink of poison and waiting for the other person to die. When you choose to forgive, it's as though an unseen cord is broken between you and them, and they no longer hold a place in your heart and mind. So let's be quick to forgive each other. And then let's also be quick to apologize. Over the years, I've had to do my fair share of apologizing. If you know you've hurt someone, intentionally or unintentionally, Take responsibility, don't make excuses, be sincere. And then regardless of the other person's reaction or response, you might need to forgive yourself too. You know, we're talking about radical partnership here and for some of you today, that might look like radical forgiveness. Let's keep praying, church, for unity and not ever take it for granted. It is so precious in God's sight and it really, really matters. So peace with others is one part, and the second part which Paul devotes more time to is this. Enjoy the peace of God. Now, a few weeks ago, over half term, Chris and I went away to Malta to escape the rain in Cambridge, and we had the most amazing time, just beach trips and times in the pool, and we also visited some beautiful cities. Now, these cities had one thing in common, they were surrounded by fortifications. And one of the cities we visited was Valletta, the capital of Malta. And this picture should be coming up behind me. As you can see, it's a city with fortifications surrounding it, made up of huge defensive walls that um, was originally designed to protect it from coming under siege. And each day, cannons are still fired for ceremony um, twice a day. And we also visited a town called Victoria on the island of Gozo. And here's a picture we took whilst there. Another very impressive set of fortifications. Now in Philippians 4 verse 7 we read, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I want you to imagine for a moment that your mind and your heart is a citadel, a fortress which needs protecting. And I want you to imagine soldiers and sentries stationed around the walls of your heart and mind, marching up and down, cannons ready to fire. Here Paul is saying that God is ready and prepared to guard your heart and your mind through the gift of his peace. And it's an extraordinary peace that is available to all who are believing in Christ. It's a peace that transcends all understanding. It bypasses the logic and cuts straight to the spirit. And 
I have experienced this peace in amazing ways over the last few years, or throughout my lifetime, actually. Um, but I've found it to be particularly true when I've been facing particularly challenging circumstances. Um, in February 2020, uh, one month before we went into lockdown, I was unexpectedly diagnosed with a serious lung condition. And it started out with a small cough in the new year, but by February, I'd become very unwell, barely able to walk a few steps. Um, and in God's grace, all of it unfolded one month before the outbreak of COVID, so it was quickly identified, and I was able to begin six months of treatment. Now, as I'm sure you can imagine, receiving treatment for a lung condition in the middle of COVID, also a lung condition, could have been a recipe for panic. And yet I cannot recall a time where I felt a peace so deep as in those six months. There was a lot of worship music playing in our home, and obviously it was not easy, but I, I actually look back at that time with a lot of fondness and nostalgia. It was a time where I felt myself being broken down, but to be built back stronger, and his peace was just covering us as a family. Now, in crisis, you can choose to run away from the Lord or run to him. In Proverbs, it says, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Now, here again, we have this image of a tower, God being our strong tower and running to him and hiding to him is the safest place to be, especially in a crisis. In him is safety, in him is peace. But notice it says the righteous run to it. It's an action. Now I want you to imagine that you're in a battle and you're currently outside the fortified walls of the city and the enemy is charging towards you and your commander calls you to retreat. But imagine saying, oh, it's okay. The walls are there behind me, the fortress is there, so I'm safe. Well, if the walls are behind you, and you're here, and the enemy is here, you're not safe. <laughs> you actually have to run and move and get into a place of safety. And I think the same is true of us spiritually. God's protection is available that garrison around our hearts and minds. And with that, his safety and his peace. But we can't expect to enjoy this peace if we're choosing not to come under his protection. Notice Paul says, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. And then again in verse nine, it says, and the God of peace will be with you. The key word here is and. Paul's saying here that there are some conditions to us enjoying God's peace. There are some responsibilities on our parts. We do some things and then the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. So what are these things? Well, I think there are primarily three groups of things in this passage that Paul tells us we need to do in order to enjoy and experience this peace. And the first thing is this, rejoice in the Lord always. 
always. <laughs> I love Paul, he loves using these extremes, these absolutes. But surely, Paul, you don't actually mean always. I mean, surely there, there are times when I'm called to cry and to weep and to be sad. Surely there are times and circumstances that hurt, that are painful. Yes, there absolutely is. Jesus mourned, he wept, he felt pain. But notice that Paul doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances always. I think to say this would be inappropriate and insensitive and honestly not a very healthy way of processing pain. What he does say is this, rejoice in the Lord always. This is completely different. This is saying in the middle of sadness, a confusion, of pain, of doubt, in spite of these circumstances, I will rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because he is good through and through. He is faithful, he is kind, he is trustworthy, he is worthy of all my adoration and affection and devotion and praise. My earthly circumstances should not and will not dictate my belief in the goodness of God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Secondly, if we're to enjoy the peace of God, we need to pray with thanksgiving. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. <laughs> here again, we have an absolute word here, anything. Do not be anxious about anything. And it's easy to read this and go, well, here's Paul making another unattainable, impossible statement here. Surely there are things that I should feel anxious about. Is he asking me to live in denial? Now, I think the fact that he's telling the church not to be anxious is in and of itself an acknowledgement that there are things in life that are anxiety-inducing. Let's not also forget earlier, Paul himself admitted that he felt anxious. In Philippians 2.28, he says, I am the more eager to send him, that was Epaphroditus, therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. Paul felt anxious at times. Jesus felt anxious at times. Think about the Garden of Gethsemane. Paul is not saying there aren't things in life that should make us anxious. But I think what he's saying is that when we face these anxious situations, we have two choices, to worry or to pray. Um, and it reminds me of a book title by Chad Veach called Worried About Everything Because I Pray About Nothing. <laughs> what a great book title. Now, uh, when Chris and I went to Malta, we went to another beautiful city called Medina. And it's also a very heavily fortified city. And we drove in and it was rammed with cars. We couldn't find a car park space. So we drove back out of the city and found a, a car um, parking spot on the side of the road outside of the city walls. And this was the view that faced us when we got out of the car. Now, we kind of had two choices, but we couldn't really be bothered with the first more sensible choice, which was to get into the city, walk the long way round the road. Instead, we looked up at the walls and thought, there's got to be a way up there. 
Um, so we started walking up to the walls, but we very quickly saw why it was called a fortress. There was no quick or obvious way up, and it was 28 degree heat, and so I was sort of wilting a little bit and sort of plonked myself down in a shady spot, and Chris ran up and to see if he could find another, another way. And after a few minutes, he came running back with a glint in his eye. He's like, so, um, so I found a route. Some climbing might be required. And um, so he led us to a part of the walls that was just a little bit lower than the rest with some handy footholds. And with adrenaline coursing through our bodies, we scaled the walls of Medina like Spider-Man, peered over the walls to see if anyone was looking, and then leapt down the other side. The city of Medina had been besieged. <laughs> and uh, in the same way, I think sometimes the fortress of our minds can be besieged. As I said, uh, during the six months that I was receiving treatment for this lung condition, I felt an enormous sense of God's peace and protection. And I was actually able to work from home teaching um, during that time, which I think really helped. But this was really tested a few months later when I returned physically to work. COVID was still very much around. There were no vaccines available at the time and I felt very, very vulnerable. And I remember going back into my classroom for the first time and I had what I think was the closest thing I've ever had to a panic attack. I felt this overwhelming fear and anxiety to the point where I was struggling to regulate my breathing. And in some ways, I was right to feel anxious. My lungs were scarred, we were in the middle of a global pandemic, but in this moment, I had a choice to worry or to pray. And I worried a lot. <laughs> I'd allowed my mind to feed on news stories. I imagined all of the worst case scenarios and I fed worry with more worry. And in doing so, my mind was besieged. My walls of my heart and mind were lowered and my guard was down. Now, thankfully, I had some amazing leaders and my family who encouraged me. He was like, Annabelle, you might need some counseling. And uh, I actually did have some counseling. It was wonderful. Praise God for counselors and doctors who can help us in these moments. But in the first instance, when I felt my mind under attack, I bypassed what should have been my first port of call, the greatest helper of all. What should I have done in that moment, in that first instance, rather than worry? What would Paul advise? He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. When we choose to pray about our problems instead of worry, our eyes are lifted to the one who is far more capable to handle our problems than we are. We're directed to the one who has unlimited resources available and we invite his power to come and work in our situations, bringing his peace and his breakthrough. And then we add a secret ingredient, thanksgiving pouring out our hearts for all that he's done, thanking him that he will never leave us or forsake us, thanking him that he never acts without purpose 
when all things works together for the good of those he loves. And as we do this, and as we add thanksgiving into our prayers, our walls are built up, our walls are strengthened, and that perfect peace that goes beyond understanding guards us and runs like a river deep within us. And over the next three days, we have a wonderful opportunity to put this into practice, rejoicing in God, praising him, thanking him, offering our request to him in prayer. And the third and final key to enjoying God's peace is to discipline your mind. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. To enjoy the peace of God, we need to think about things that aid our peace, not steal it. And I remember earlier this year, Dr. Nkuru talking about anxiety, and she encouraged us to use a thought sieve to filter our thoughts. I loved this. Practically, we can use this list that Paul gives us as a sieve. And you might want to start by committing this list to memory. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. And then when a thought comes to attack you and climb the battlements of your mind, you can put on your thought sieve and go through the list. Now, some of the things you worry about might more readily be sifted through. So this thought comes to your mind, God hasn't answered my prayer, so he must have forgotten me. Okay, that's a big thought, but put it through your thought sieve. Is it true? No. The Bible says he knows every hair on your head. He says, I've called you by name, you are mine. So when that thought comes, redirect your thoughts and cry out to your loving Heavenly Father, thanking Him that He knows you by name. Okay, another thought. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed by what that person has said or done. And I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking even more about it, and I'm just overthinking about this thing. Okay. Put your thoughts sieve on. Is it true? Yes, it's true that I'm annoyed. Is it noble? No. I'm plotting revenge. Okay. Redirect your thoughts. Thanking God. Thank you, God, that you forgave me so many times. So many times. Give me the grace to extend that same forgiveness to this other person. Okay. What about this thought? <laughs> I've got this work deadline and I'm totally overwhelmed, and I don't know how to get it all done. Right, put the thought sieve on. Is it true? Yes, it's true I'm overwhelmed. Yes, it's true I have a lot to do. Is it noble? I don't know, it's not particularly dishonorable. Okay, is it right? Well, it's not wrong. Okay, is it pure? Well, it's not particularly impure. Is it lovely? No, it's horrible. Because the more I'm thinking about it, the more anxious I'm getting it. Okay, 
redirect to God, thanking God, you are my wisdom. And even though I don't know how to get through this problem, you do. (laughs) If your thought fails to pass even one of these tests, it's probably something to redirect to your loving heavenly Father with thanksgiving rather than something to worry about. And committing this list to mind and using it as a sieve will help you take your thoughts captive and stop your mind from spiraling. And it will also redirect you to the one who is supremely all of these things, Jesus, our Prince of Peace and our strong tower. Jesus is with you. He loves you so much. He knows everything that is going on, on your heart and your mind. And he is ready and more than able to guard your heart and mind with his peace. And he shows us the way to enjoy this peace. Make every effort to live in peace with others. Rejoice in the Lord always. Pray with thanksgiving. Discipline your mind. And Paul ends with this, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So wherever you are now, we're gonna respond together. And if you're able, would you please stand? And I want you for a few moments just to consider, are there things that are stealing your peace at the moment? And if so, just bring them to mind now. There may be one thing, maybe many things, but just gather them all up and name them before him right now. many of these things be very real, legitimate concerns that you have that are causing you worry and anxiety. I want you to picture those worries and hold them in your hands. And if you can just get your hands and just hold them like this in your hands. In a moment, we're gonna lay down these anxieties and worries before God. And I'm gonna lead us in a prayer line by line. And as you do, we're gonna physically lay these things before God and receive his peace. So as you hold these things in your hands, can you just turn your palms down like this? And let's pray line after line. Loving Heavenly Father, I come to you now, holding all of my worries and anxieties Thank you that you see me. Thank you that you know me. Thank you that you care deeply about me. 
Today I bring you all of my worries. I lay them before you now and I release them into your trustworthy hands. And now just open up your palms as if you're releasing them and just imagine laying them down at the foot of the cross. And now if you turn your hands upwards as if you're receiving from him. And now pray with me, King Jesus, thank you that you are more than able to handle all of these things. I come now to receive your peace. Fill me again. Fill my heart, fill my mind, fill my body with the gift of your peace and help me to keep my eyes on you, to keep walking in peace with others, to keep rejoicing in you, to keep praying with thanksgiving to keep sieving those thoughts that I may walk in your perfect peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna worship together now. So keep responding and keep receiving his peace as we sing. <laughs> 